Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. This is your host, Mike Abadir, and I'm alongside my co-host, Gina Bacola, and we've got a terrific show for you today. Great guest lineup. We've got the Parlay Queen, Keeneland Dan, and Scott Shapiro. And before we get things rolling, G, wanted to get your thoughts on the big college football weekend. Got to be the biggest, most important college football weekend of the year. And I already kind of ticked off Scott Shapiro a little bit earlier this I week. Saw you. I I know. I, I, I had to do it, man. I was like, I want to see chaos. Yeah, I saw you. You're getting after Scott. It's going to be fun because we'll have Monique on in a minute, and she's going to give us some of her wagers for the weekend. And I've I've seen a couple of her plays, and there'll be one that Scott will not like. I can tell you that much. So we'll we'll get a really fun difference of opinion between segments one and segment three today. Um, hope you had a nice Thanksgiving, everyone out there. Mikey, hope you had a nice holiday. Feels like it's been a long time since we talked. It was just only a, a week ago that we didn't have the show, but um, looking forward to today's show. There's a lot going on right now in sports too. Uh, the Lakes played pretty well last night. A nice game from Brandon Ingram. It, I, even though they lost, is a little disappointing. But I like to see the, the young kids kind of step up and play well against the big boys, uh, against the Warriors. They and, stepped up big. Yep. Yeah, and you know, Lonzo played well. Um, Ingram played well. Uh, Julius Randle, he's kind of taking his defense to another level. So it's fun as a fan to just to see the kids kind of growing and developing a little bit. And then uh, this morning, Mikey Tiger, Tiger is on the prowl. He's through eight. Uh, he's through nine now. He just uh, he just finished uh, uh, hole nine, and he's one under. So they said he's swinging. This was Jason Sobel from ESPN said we knew that Tiger was swinging the clubs well coming into his first competitive round. There were questions about his putting, but he's uh, he's already rolled in a 15-footer for a birdie on number two and a 25-footer on uh, on hole eight. So Tiger is doing well so far. The key for him is staying healthy. I'm not. Let, let me ask you about that though. What's your cutoff on on Tiger? Like, at I mean, what point do you just say I'm I'm done even rooting for Tiger? Never. I love Tiger. Never. Ever. There you go. For me, if, for me, there is golf. Is is not not even a tenth as in, as interesting without Tiger in it. I mean, de- my dad and I used to flip on on Sundays and watch um, always whether Tiger was trying to win or usually it was is he going to break the record winning by 10, 12, 15 strokes, whatever it is. And uh, and for me, it's just he's he's a polarizing figure. Whether he's he's dominating the sport or not, I think he's just much better when he's in the sport. Uh, so. I, for me, I'm always going to be paying attention a little bit more with Tiger. I, I, I couldn't agree with you anymore. Let me just quickly say this. In, in, in my lifetime, the three most dominant athletes, we kind of got robbed of a full career from them. And those are Mike Tyson, Tiger Woods, and Bo Jackson. And that's for another show on another day, but I, I had to get that out there because we didn't get to see what they could do with, you know, over a longevity. You know what I mean? And I, and yeah. I wish we had. And, and maybe we'll get a second act from Tiger here. You never know, you know. Um, I hope so. That that would be that'd be great. It'd be fun, and it'd be a it'd be a good conversation for us to have, um, especially on this show. And we're gonna bring in our first guest today, Monique from Covers. I've had the uh, the privilege of connecting with Monique uh, over the last couple weeks, but I've followed her plays for quite a while. She does an excellent job. She lives up in Toronto. She, I'm telling you, Mike, 
I have never seen anything that Monique does not handicap or put a play in. I'm talking every sport you can possibly fathom to UFC. The only question I have for Monique, and we're going to bring her in right now, Monique, how about some WWE? I'm a huge wrestling fan. Do we ever get any WWE bets from you? Because if you need an insider, I can help you out there. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to need some help with that one. And there, there's the one thing that I haven't ever bet on. And you know what? Now you're uh, you're turning some ideas. I might I might be interested in that, but I'll definitely need some of your tips if you're you're willing to offer them. The I don't think you become the parlay queen by wagering on WWE. Just my opinion, <laughs> Gino. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> Well, Monique, we're very happy to have you on. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on with us. Let's let's get a little bit about your background. We ha- we know that everyone always is curious hearing about your weekly plays and the prop bets and everything. How does a girl, you're 25 years old now, how did you get into handicapping, sports, and gambling in general? You know, I always grew up around sports and betting and racing, and it's always been something I've been super passionate about. Um, of course, the thrill is something uncomparable, but I really love the analytical side of dissecting totals and trying to find a profitable angle. Um, I find it exceptionally fulfilling when you compile stats and notes and to be rewarded for the effort you put in when you're handicapping a game well. I find that something unparalleled, and it's always been something that I've just always loved. And I mean, I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. Monique, I got a question for you. What's your personal favorite sport just to be a fan of? Just going to ask that question. Good question, Mikey. Just to be be a fan of. And then what's your favorite sport to wager on? That's interesting. Uh, My personal favorite, probably, well, okay, yeah, it's definitely NFL football. I mean, you can't beat those couple weeks of the year. You look forward to it the entire season and, you know, the amount of money bet into it, the way the spreads move, the totals move, and just the diversity and the bets that you can make. I just love the NFL. And then my favorite to bet on, it's probably postseason hockey. I love it. Um, Interesting. It's not like it used to be. You know, I remember growing up and it was just, you'd have one nothing games and, you know, you'd, you'd go to overtime and you'd, you'd be lucky to score a couple. And it's just, it, it's something that the postseason hockey, it's just so competitive. And I mean, being Canadian doesn't help with that and it being literally everywhere all the time but i i mean i love that as well we're here with monique a parlay queen monique uh, did some work for covers videos every weekend and as i mentioned when monique sent me some of her plays for today we go through a little bit of everything there's going to be some college football there's going to be some nfl she doesn't mind about spreads over unders individual team totals um prop bets for uh, total yards touchdowns all sorts of things um she really really deep dives and handicaps it all so you want to get into uh the plays for the weekend monique sure yeah uh, let's I guess start we'll right start at with the top the, well let's start with the sec championship georgia at auburn uh the 40 to 17 loss on november 11th by georgia will definitely not happen again i'd be shocked if it was anywhere near a blowout uh, it's so hard to prep to play the same team twice in one season. I think what it's going to boil down to is who can establish a run game. Both defenses are solid, and if turnovers are kept to a minimum, I wouldn't expect the same offensive fire show that you'd see with like a MAC championship game. So in that one, it's really hard to pick a side for me, but I'm, I'm liking the under 48.5. I don't think the line's going to move much at all, but I like that total. I think it's it's pretty solid. Yeah, and that's basically become a uh, a playoff in win in your in type game now it would be a little crazy if Georgia wins and then it kind of 
throws everything else into disarray. But Auburn's at the spot now. They are win and you're in. So we're going to go under the uh, the Georgia-Auburn for Monique. Where are we heading next? Uh, let's go to uh, a less popular game. Let's go to South Alabama at New Mexico State. I think this game has blowout written all over it. I'm not sure South Alabama has recovered from their 52 to nothing blowout loss to the terrible 2-9 Georgia Southern last week. Uh, with no bowl game to play for and losing their head coach at the end of the season, I struggle to make a case that they'll come out with any effort. On the other hand, New Mexico State have looked good. Uh, last week they looked good defensively, pairing that with an offense extra motivated. Uh, this is a game to play for a bowl game, and it leads me to believe that this game won't be taken lightly. So I'm leaning New Mexico State minus 9.5. Now, before we move on to the next game, when you're looking at the entire board, how do you arrive at a, at a game like this? I mean, do you use any software analytics um, that maybe – help you kind of hone in on some of the point spreads that might be, um, there may be some discrepancies or, you know, where you feel that there's an opportunity, there's some value there, that type of thing? You know, Yeah, definitely there's value there. I like to bet games where there's a little bit more incentive to play for, like some of the meaningless games, you know, who really knows what's going to happen. But when there's an incentive and I can make a case that one team maybe has a little bit more desire to win, um, I tend to lean towards that. And, I mean, this week for college football, there's a lot fewer games, so it's easier to actually go in and dissect them fully. So that's one of those games where, I mean, if I can, if I think it's going to be a blowout, and I'm getting nine and or I'm giving nine and a half points, I, I don't hesitate with a spread like that. Awesome. Great info there as uh, to how Monique kind of arrives at some of the, the games that she's selecting. So we got the New Mexico State Bama was the next play. Uh, and then you're going to go to a, a game next, I think, um, where the team, they're going to be playing each other back to back weeks. Is that right? With Fresno State and Boise State? Yeah, they played each other last week and uh, Fresno State pulled off the 28 to 17 upset. Uh, last season, this team went 1-11 and and had zero wins in conference play, so it's really impressive to see a turnaround like that. Uh, last week uh, versus Boise State, the Bulldogs racked up 431 yards of offense, uh, and they also went 9 of 16 on third down conversions. So like Gina was mentioning, it's very interesting that these teams played last week and they're going to meet again on December 2nd. So win or lose, that matchup is already determined. And I think it's one of those quintessential offense versus defense matchups. Both teams are looking ahead, and I would say, uh, give me the under and the points with Fresno State. So eight and a half and under 52. That's my hometown school, Fresno State. I'm from the Valley. I'm, I was waiting, Mike. I couldn't yep. believe it took you so long oh, to tell you that. I, I had to say uh-huh. it. That's where I went to all my camps and everything. So, you know, I'm a Fresno State fan deep down, and Tedford's done a great job there. You know, I hope they could pull this off. I think if they can keep their game close with with uh with you know a, a good defensive play you know i think they have a chance to pull off the back-to-backs but it's tough to do that it's very tough to do that do you think you have an unbiased opinion there or are you a little bit biased that you think fresno state could win outright or would you say take the points as well uh i, I would probably take the points to play it safe but you never know in these games uh you know there was a long time i remember where boise state had fresno state's number and it didn't matter how good Fresno State was. You know, it was going to come down to those two teams. And Boise State found a way to, you know, crush Fresno State's spirits and hopes for many, many years in a row. So, 
who knows? Maybe the tide has turned a little bit. And, and like I said, maybe Coach Tedford's turned that th- program around to the extent where they could take down Boise. Boise's not nearly as dominant as they were, you know, in the last uh, 10, 15 years. They've obviously been one of the Cinderella stories year in, year out. But not sure that they're quite that team anymore now that their head coach is over in uh, Washington doing good things. Or former head coach, I should say. And uh, I believe you have one more college play, right, Monique? Oh, this is uh, the one that Scott's going to love so much. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I definitely like Ohio State. I saw it early and I grabbed it at six, but I do think it's possible it goes down. Uh, Both of these teams are hoping to make the college football playoffs, but only one will likely get a chance, so I think doing so in style helps. I think Ohio State enters this game with a lot of confidence and momentum after going down 14-0 early to rivals Michigan and ended it off with a 24-6 late run. If I had a fault with Wisconsin, it's their inconsistency to play for the full 60 minutes. I don't necessarily trust this Wisconsin team who tends to have sluggish halves. And in games like this, I look for an X factor, and that's most definitely Ohio State quarterback Barrett. Um, The spread is a total I like. But I wouldn't be surprised if it came down a little bit with speculations of the severity of the injury to Barrett and taking into account Wisconsin being undefeated. I like the game a lot. It should be really competitive. It's not my favorite play, but, I mean, you got to get action on the Big Ten Championship. Yeah, it is, is a great game, too. Um, it, this, these two teams have had a lot of history the last couple of years. Wisconsin's been... Um, kind of disrespect it all year long because they really haven't played anyone and Scott we know we'll talk with him about it later he's mentioned it a few times he still has said you know through some of his tweets he didn't really know how good this team was and you get an Ohio State team that is you know hot and cold and hot and cold and they're just they're just super tough to trust so what I love from Monique we've got plays uh in the New Mexico State South Alabama game Fresno State Boise and the under there Georgia Auburn under and Ohio State Minus the six from uh, versus Wisconsin in college, and then a couple NFL plays, and then a couple kind of tidbits about some games and players that you like this week too. Yeah, in NFL, the game I like the most this week are Colts at Jaguars. Um, I like Jacksonville minus eight and a half, and the team total at twenty six and a half. I think losing to the Cardinals last week is not a good look, but I think there are certainly uh, certainly worse defeats than losing on the road to a 57-yard field goal late. Uh, Defensively, the Jags are the league's best in both yards, 282, and points, 15.3 allowed. If your defense can come up with big stops, it often sets your offense up to have huge success, and I anticipate that's the case, which we have in Jacksonville on Sunday. And uh, you also mentioned you think could be a, a nice bounce back game for uh, Fournette because he's, he's struggled a little bit since the benching. It seems like they've had some off the field issues with him, but from day one, this this game this team's game plan is pound 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 on the ground, and uh, it, it should be just feeding feeding Fournette. Absolutely, he's had like a lingering ankle injury, but I think that for him, it's more of a volume play. I think they'll get out ahead early, and I. Like you said, they're just going to pound the rock, and I I wouldn't be surprised if he had a big game. I don't think he's going to have very many long rushes, but I think the attempts will be there, and I think just based on that alone, he'll surpass his total. And let me remind everybody, in the first matchup, Jacksonville won 27-0 in Indy, and in that game, they rushed for 188 yards. They passed for 330 yards, so they absolutely crushed and dominated them. That score probably could have been more like 45 nothing. so... 
Um, I, I think this is going to be a sweep, but just by a matter of by how much in this game. And Gino knows I've been on the Jags for a while now. I think what was it, about four or five weeks ago, I came on and said they were my surprise AFC team to uh, you know win that division and and maybe make some noise in the playoffs just because they got a good defense and running game. They know what they are. That's what you know that, and that's that's the key. A lot of times with these football teams, you you know your strengths, you know your weaknesses. As long as they're not forced to throw the ball a ton and they can just continue to pound and run the ball, they're gonna be they're gonna be very very tough and a tough out. And then you're gonna go to one more team. Uh, Monique, who struggled the last couple weeks, but you know, a lot of times teams coming off losses, you, you forget about them, or or the betting public will al- always go the other way. You're going to play KC minus three against the Jets. Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked to see that it moved to minus three. I think it opened at minus four and a half. Um, it's week 13, and Kansas City are leading the AFC West after losing three straight and five out of the last six. And it's crazy to think that. I think defensively the Jets have given up an average of 120.4 rushing yards per game, and they've definitely been burned long for runs of uh, 10 runs of 20-plus yards and a league-high 4 of 40-plus yards. I think this will be exploited as the Chiefs rely on what are their best offensive weapons in Kareem Hunt to keep them ahead of the chains. It's one of those where the losing trend isn't going to continue forever, and I think that this is a good bounce back game for them even on the road I think the Jets are fairly weak and they'll the Chiefs will find success one of the best players in football yes I'm saying it one of the best players in football is the field goal kicker Justin Tucker for the Ravens he might be better at his job than almost any other player at any position is better at their uh, at their job and so you're going to play an interesting prop you're going to go Ravens Lions over three and a half field goals and that's minus 120 I love this play because the Ravens, Monique, they use Tucker as an offensive weapon. They really do. Uh, I was looking up stats of them, and uh, you also have Prater, who's 5 for 5 from 40 to 49 yards and 7 of 10 from 50-plus. Obviously, Tucker's you know, as, as good as it gets from far and up close. These are two teams that move the ball fairly well but tend to have stalled offensive drives. Uh, these two teams are in the top 10 in field goals attempted and made. And like Gina was saying, these are two weapons in Prater and Tucker, and they're as accurate as it gets. Yeah, that's and, good stuff. And Love we're going to get, we got to get to a break shortly, but you just had a couple uh, play, a couple interesting like stat trends you were mentioning. Uh, 49ers, Bears, you, you think it might be kind of a low scoring game and a game that might be a lot of running. I do. I, I think the Niners definitely don't want to start Jimmy Garoppolo, and especially not on the road. I don't think we'll see a game plan executed where he's throwing the ball 50 times. I think this game will be close, and the Niners can establish the run. Uh, you have Carlos Hyde, who hasn't been bad at all this year, and he's coming in with an average of 4.1 yards per carry. And for Chicago, they can't throw like to run. Uh, they'll probably have success against the run and have Howard and Tariq Cohen, who nicely put our more than competent backs. So I, I think that's it's a run-heavy game, and with run-heavy games, I tend to lean to the under. And then uh, I like to hear this one. One of the best wide receivers in football has really, really put his name uh, out there the last few weeks, and that is for one of the hottest teams in football, the Chargers and Keenan Allen. Oh, absolutely. Keenan Allen's caught 23 passes for 331 yards over the last two games, and he meets a very favorable matchup in Cleveland. He's a must-start, obviously, in any fantasy pools or any uh, money leagues. He's, 
he's definitely primed for a big game, and he's probably one of the receivers I would most likely lean on if given the option. And then your last one, uh, when you think Buffalo a lot you, at the time, you're thinking McCoy, pound the run, um, you're going to get a healthy dose of LaShawn. But the way that the game trend is against New England, you'd have to imagine that Buffalo will likely be coming from behind, probably needing to throw the ball to keep up. So you're not positive if it's going to be the best day for McCoy. I, I wouldn't think so. I think the Patriots are one of those teams that, are very good at exploiting your weaknesses and stopping what you do best. And I think going into this game, everyone knows the Bills need McCoy and they're going to be leaning on McCoy heavy, even if they are down. And I think the Patriots are one of those teams that can fully stop you on that. And like you were saying, I do think that they're going to get down and I think they'll be down early. But it's, it's, it's random, those two teams. They do tend to play each other fairly close, but I, I just think the Patriots are much the best this year and... I, I wouldn't be surprised if McCoy struggled this week. Monique from Covers. We have to get to a break quickly, but Monique, give us your plugs. Where can everyone find you on Twitter and find your work? Uh, my Twitter is at Parlay Queen, and you can find my work on Covers.com or America's Best Racing. Monique, awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, we got to get to a break, but we will have to have you back again in a few weeks to talk more football and maybe bowl games because I know you're big into the bowl game season. Yes, I am. I can't wait. It's it's my Christmas time and the happiest time of the year. Thank you guys so much for having me. Happy holidays. Thank you, Monique. We'll be Let's right back. After, yep, we'll be right back after this next commercial break with Keeneland Dan. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. If you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports, check out Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Kelly is the owner of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks with over 40 years of experience. Now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you. If you're interested in firearms, whether it be for shooting, for fun, competition, hunting, or self-defense, Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 888 
1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at the themikeabadeershow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. It's Mike and Gino talking sports as we always do. Just had a fantastic first segment. Man, Monique just brought it, man. I really like her, and her picks make a lot of sense. Yeah, she's sharp, man. You can just... You have a conversation with someone, or you follow them, and you you know you see their their handicapping, and you could just tell pretty quickly when they know what they're talking about. And so I was I was happy that Monique uh, wanted to come on and speak with us, and yeah, she does an awesome job. Because what what happens when you listen to someone like that, you hear you hear her plays and you hear her reasoning, and even if they all lose, you just go, oh, okay, this is bad luck, because she has just great information, great handicapping, great research. She's obviously put a lot of time and effort into it, so really appreciate the. Uh, the effort from Monique, and uh, we're, we're going to wish her the best of luck this weekend. And then you, I think it's always good for our show, Mike, when our producer during the break has to shut us up before we come back to commercial because we're chit-chatting with our guests. I think that usually means the uh, the show is going to go well and that the guests are ready to come on and, uh, and have some fun with us. Absolutely. And we bring on our next guest. I had the privilege of talking to Dan Cronin. Uh, about a year, year and a half ago for each and every Saturday and Sunday, we would chat racing and chat some college basketball or football or whatever the hell was going on. Dan, we would chat about uh, whatever was going on in sports. Uh, it was always fun touching base with you. And now with Cincinnati basketball doing so well, it was a good time to get you on the show. You know him as Keeneland Dan on Twitter, fatbaldguyracing.com. He's a excellent horse racing handicapper today we'll probably focus a little more on college basketball but uh we would love to have him here with us dan cronin how you doing buddy oh good man ready for the bearcats to finally play a couple decent teams right <laughs> you get they yeah. got a tough part of the schedule coming up early but you know you get them cupcakes out of the way you pad your you pad your record a little bit and now you find out how good you are well, you're up to seven and zero now. You're ranked uh, nine in one poll, eleven in one poll. So basically, a top ten team so far. Be- before we get into this year and this specific team, I was having so much fun looking up uh, you and your family and researching your brother last night. Man, the, your your family in basketball, the history. Kind of take us through it a little bit, starting with your dad and then kind of into your brother. And you played basketball too. You guys were all players, uh, kind of coaches. Your dad was involved in scouting. Tell us a little bit about uh, the family history and, and how basketball has been important to you guys. Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. We we grew up at the gym, Mick and I. He's two years younger than me and two grades behind me. And I mean, we grew up, we were the two little guys at the gym every day with my dad. He was the head basketball coach at Roger Bacon High School first and then over to Oak Hills High School after that. And uh, won over 300 games, and you know he's in. We we joke with him. We call him Hall of Fame Hep. He's in so many daggone Hall of Fames <laughs> around here. We we can't keep it straight. He's in the Scouting Hall of Fame for Major League Baseball. He's in the High School Basketball Coaches Hall of Fame here in Ohio and Cincinnati. And um, so we we just grew up around. And, and and the funny thing is, the whole baseball scouting and basketball thing correlates so well when you're trying to figure out talent levels. And I think that's where it helped us the most growing up is, you know, we could, we just watch games different. And I tell people that all the time. I watch games completely different than everybody else. I, I've just been programmed since I was a, a midget to, to just look for talent levels and, you know, and, and to try to differentiate, you know, 
what high school kids are going to be better in three years and what freshmen might be able to translate into a really good senior, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I played at, at LaSalle High School and my brother played behind me. And it's ironic you had me on this week because of the I, – I, I always joke about this because the local media don't care about this, but I think it's a pretty funny story is I grew up playing for a, a, a select team called Northside KFC – and I was the point guard. I was the one that won the MVPs and all that stuff. And the second best player on the team just happened to be Chris Mack. And from <laughs> fourth grade to eighth grade, Chris Mack was like the second fiddle. We were the Jordan and Pippen of Cincinnati winning all the tournaments, winning all the games, all the Little League stuff throughout the state and all that stuff. And, and then Chris went on and played at St. X or St. Xavier. I played at LaSalle. We were arch rivals all the way through high school, all the way down to the last game, our senior year, we were tied for the GCL, which is the, the best league in Cincinnati. We were tied for the title on the last game of the year, last night of the year, and he had hit a shot with about 20 seconds left to put his team in front. We held the ball for the last shot, and I drilled the buzzer shot to win it, to win the league, to win the championship, you know, the big celebration on the floor, swinging from the rim, all that crazy stuff, and you know, 25 years later, every time I see him, the first thing that's out of both of our mouths is, you charged, you guys cheated us, <laughs> you should have never, you know, you should have never got the ball back, you know, and it's, that's all we talk about, no matter how many games he wins at Xavier, no matter how many games Mick wins at Cincinnati, every time I see Chris Mack, it's the same conversation. And what a small world. It makes the rivalry with Xavier and UC pretty cool because, you know, all the UC fans hate Xavier. All the Xavier fans hate UC, but I can't. I, I just, I can't hate Chris Mack. He's been a buddy of mine for 35 years. So I root for him every game but one. I hate that this game's even being played, but, you know, it's, it's just kind of neat that two, two guys that grew up on the west side of Cincinnati that tight, one of them's the coach at Cincinnati and one of them's the coach at Xavier. It's just, you'd have never dreamed that when we were all in the backyard playing basketball. It. Let's kind of go through Mick's career because it was it was really incredible. I, I even was reading an article, and, and you had mentioned he had been saying since he was young, I'm going to be a, a college basketball coach. I'm going to be. It was almost like he knew it, and he spoke it into existence. He kind of would would follow around and kind of go to any events uh-huh. where he could network a little bit and just kind of meet yeah, people. It was unbelievable it, how much money I had to give him. When I was working out of college and he refused to get a job because all he would do is coach basketball camps, uh, network with coaches. And, you know, back then there wasn't cell phones. I mean, we didn't even have call waiting at our house. So he would get on the phone and my parents would be screaming at him because he's on the phone for five straight hours. You guys are missing like, all no. the calls and stuff. Yeah, it's like, what girl are you on the phone with tonight? And it was, he'd be like, oh, I was on the phone with Coach Patino. And I'm like, yeah, right. You were on the phone with Coach Patino. Sure you were. You know, and then I'd just walk in the other room. He'd be like, seriously, I talked to Coach Huggins, and then I talked to Coach Patino, and then I coach, talked to Sonny Vaccaro, and I'm like, yeah, okay, Mick. And I, just, and I, I never believed him. You know, I'm thinking, man, what is wrong with my little brother? He's nuts. He thinks he's going to get a job in college. He's coaching the reserve team at Woodward High School. I'm like, how do you go from, you know, being a JV coach at 19 years old to, to working in college, I mean, it was the weirdest and funniest thing, but, you know, the fact that he just worked his tail off, and then he got lucky, Damon Flint, I don't know if you remember him, 
he was a McDonald's All-American, and he happened to go to Woodward High School, and he had no parents. And him and Mick, because they were so close in age, just became friends, and Mick was the JV coach when Damon was a freshman, and they got to be really tight. And Damon was such a good you know, recruit that Ohio State and Louisville and Kentucky and UC and all of them were recruiting him, and Coach Huggins just came in and sat in the living room with my dad and Mick and said, I heard he wants to be a coach. And he said, yeah, he wants to be a college coach. He said, well, don't he go to UC? And we said, well, kind of. You know, he, <laughs> he was on the 10-year plan, but he was going <laughs> to college. And uh, he looked right at Mick and said, you know, if, if you can get Damon Flint, you know, to come to Cincinnati, I'll give you a job. And we all started laughing. Well, we already knew Damon wanted to go to UC anyway. He was from UC. And Mick was like, well, he's coming to UC anyway, coach. And he's like, well... You know, I'll give you a job if you you know if you can recruit and you can hustle and you can do everything that I think you can do. He's like, well, we got a problem. You have to get a degree. And you know, in our house, my sister graduated from Northwestern. You know, she was brilliant. I graduated with a double major, and you know, and, and then Mick was kind of like the one that didn't like school. So he was kind of on the ten year plan, and that kind of put him in in his place a little bit to where, okay, I got to actually start studying and get a degree and get the heck out. So I think it was about two years later, he finally graduated. And when he did, he walked right in Huggins office and sat down and said, all right, I graduated. I need a job. And they got him the job as the film coordinator the next year. And he come walking out in a suit. I couldn't believe it. I was like, he really did get a job at UC. This is crazy. <laughs> Unbelievable. So and he goes from video a, coordinator there, then he goes over and he's assistant with Rick Patino at Louisville, and then he's yeah. the head coach at Murray State in 2003. He makes the tournament two of three years with Murray State, and then he's hired, dream job, at Cincinnati, but he has to come to Cincinnati in a in a real time of turmoil where he's actually using football players to help out the basketball team. I mean, he came yeah. when know, things were at the absolute no worst. There's no words to describe what he walked into those first two years here. I felt horrible for him. I had to sit behind the bench and be his bodyguard, basically. In every game, I was in a shouting match, a pushing match, a fight where fans were screaming at him, throwing things, our own fans, our own fans. You couldn't go anywhere in this city. Somebody wanted to, to punch him, hit him. It, he was like a villain for taking the job. It was so many people were Bob Huggins lovers that they were so mad at the administration for firing Bob Huggins that Mick was the scapegoat. It was like, you know, we're going to hate him no matter what. And, I mean, it took a good seven, eight years before the fans finally dropped the whole Bob Huggins thing and said, all right, he's doing it the right way. He's hustling. He's winning. He's not leaving for every offer that comes along, like every football coach that's ever been at Cincinnati. You know, and they finally realized that we got a guy that's going to be here for the rest of his life. Let's get behind him. Let's come to games, and let's root for him instead of against him. And about four or five years ago, it just started to change. The whole, you could tell, the city changed. You know, when I would go places, instead of people yelling at me and saying, your brother stinks, it was, you know, <laughs> man, we're so happy we got him. And, you know, we, we understand what happened now. We apologize for what happened. And, you know, it's like the whole city just all of a sudden snapped out of it, I called it, and just understood that he wasn't the bad guy. 
you know, he came to try to rescue this, you know, in a horrible, horrible situation. I mean, our first year, we had two football players, a hurricane refugee from New Orleans, and about six JUCO players and that we had just recruited in a matter of a month, all the leftover JUCOs that nobody wanted. And that's who we played with in the Big East. We weren't in the OVC. We were in the Big East. What happens is you win, you know, and in in each of his first five years, you improve win totals. And now you've been to the NCAA tournament seven straight years. And, you know, people don't have anything to complain about a sweet 16 so far. And this year's team, Dan, well, while they haven't had they haven't played any tough teams yet, they are right there and they could be one of the best of the group. Let's talk about the upcoming schedule now, because in the next week or two, we are really going to get to know this team. You have as tough of a four-game schedule coming up for national TV games. You you mentioned the Xavier game. That's going to be on FS1, and Xavier's already beaten Wisconsin and Baylor. You got Florida coming up, who's number six. They've already beaten Gonzaga, and they just lost to Duke. You got Mississippi State, who's 5-0 and right now. That game's going to be on ESPN2, as is the Florida game. And then you're going to travel out here to the West Coast. You play at UCLA. That's a CBS game. We're going to find out about this Cincy team in the next two weeks. Yeah, it, it's, the schedule is as rough as you can get for December. And, you know, I know he did it on purpose because he really believes in this team. And, and we're going to find out. I mean, the good thing is, you know, our two big guys, Clark and, and Washington, are as good as any tandem in the country. And that includes all, all the teams. I mean, maybe the, those two Duke freshmen are better. So, you know, you got a 23-year-old and a 22-year-old man in there that, you know, both can score. They both can rebound. They're team guys. They don't hog the ball. You know, and then you got on the perimeter, you got Evans, who's an NBA. I mean, I really believe Jared Evans will play in the NBA. He's a six foot six guy that shoots over 40% from the three-point line. You know, he reminds me a lot of Brown that plays for uh, the Celtics that's from the West Jaylen, Coast out yep. there from the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a lot like him. And uh, then you got Jared Cumberland, who's just a train. I mean, when he gets going in the open court, I mean, he's built like Mike Tyson, and nobody wants to get in front of him because he's just he's got one of those bodies that you think would be an NFL linebacker. And the big question mark for the Bearcats is just this point guard. You know, is one of these two point guards, Jennifer and Broom, are they going to play well enough to be able to get deep into March? I think Broom's got the most ability. Jennifer's the most conservative, does-nothing-wrong type guy that has a limited ceiling where Broom's got more of that electric, you know, might play in the pro, at the pro level at some point, um, you know, athleticism, you know, speed. He's got it all, but he still turns the ball over. It's his first year of major Division One competition, so he's still making those silly mistakes. But if those two play well, Cincinnati's deep, they're big, they shoot it, uh, they've got everything to make a run in the tournament, and you got to post some big wins. You know, we got to win – I'm telling them they got to win three of these four to stay in the top 10 to 12 teams to where you can get a legitimate seed to make a run to the final four because we all know the committee continues to cheat the American Conference every year. The champion has never got more than a five seed. So, you know, you got teams 25 and or 29 and four getting five seeds. So, with Wichita State coming into the into the conference this year, you're hoping you can at least get a three or four seed from the comp, you know, from the if you're the champion or you know, with Wichita State and Cincinnati at the top, you know, if if you finish first or second, can you get a three seed? You know, then you got a chance to really advance 
where if you're a six seed or a five seed, let's face it, you're up against it from, from the jump because you're going to play one of the better teams in the country in the second round. And it's just hard, you know, it's hard to make that run unless somebody gets upset. So that's what, that's what all this, the next four games is about is trying to position yourself nationally. And, you know, Xavier never loses at the Centos. Uh, Florida is one of the best teams I've seen this year. They are really, really good. Their point guard's really good. Um, you know, and then UCLA, I know UCLA is a little shorthanded right now, but I mean, they got five guys averaging double figures. So, you know, who do you key on? They're, they're doesn't seem like they want to use their bench too much, but you know Holiday and Wilkes and Welsh. I mean, those guys are nice players, so it's it's going to be a fight. But uh, we'll we'll find out real quick how good are the Bearcats. You know, the third, fourth, fifth best team in the country, or are they fifteenth? We're going to find out in the next two weeks. Very key stretch, Dan, and only because we got thirty seconds left in this segment here. I want to talk a little bit about Fat Bald Guy Racing. Do you have any selections that you're interested in for this uh, upcoming weekend or this stretch of time? Yeah, I mean, I, as you know, I do Turfway Park, um, you know, all all year, and then I do uh, Gulfstream too, and that don't start till Saturday, so I'm I'm still diving in with Gulfstream. But Turfway, there's a horse Friday night named Marquise Calgal that that's six for six at Turfway, and they got this horse seven to two on the line in this little stakes race uh, Friday night. So if you're looking at Turfway Friday night, if you can get anywhere near seven to two on Marquise Calgal, I I think that's a, a big-time play. And for the people out there that don't bet Turfway a lot, I tell everybody, stay away from the rail. Take those horses in the 6, 7, 8, 9 hole sprinting, and you'll, you'll have a big-time chance to cash some tickets because that, that track's as biased as you can possibly. It's almost as bad as Del Mar was for Breeders' Cup. If you're on the inside of Turfway, you just can't win. And that's give us your plugs, Dan. outside, and you get a big chance. Give us your plugs, Dan. Where can we find you, your website, and on Twitter? Yeah, fatballguyracing.com. Uh, we've got all kinds of deals going on right now. And if anybody's listening to the show that wants to try us out, just email me at dan at fatballguyracing.com, and we'll comp you for a day so you can get used to us, see our picks, see how we do things. Um, and then on Twitter, I'll t- I tell everybody, I'll talk to anybody that doesn't try to attack. You don't attack me and you don't attack others. Just have fun and talk, and we can talk. It's uh, Keeneland Dan at Fatball Guy Racing. I will respond to you if you talk to me about basketball, horses, whatever. I love talking. Awesome, Dan. We'll have to get you on like after the first round of, uh, of conference play, and then we can really break everything that we've seen down so far during the season. Absolutely. I love talking about that S-curve for the March Madness. That's one of my favorite oh, yeah. things to dive into. <laughs> I love talking with you, too. So we'll talk a lot of tournaments again, and we'll have you back on. Thanks a lot, Keeneland Dan. We'll talk to you soon. we got to get to a quick break here. Thanks, Dan. We'll be back with Scott Shapiro. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 
at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football. We're talking Western Ambush this week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, taking a closer look at all the amazing big game hunting opportunities found in the Western states. Joining us is Jason Matzinger, host of Into High Country, Jill Gector from Cinch Jeans, Dean Capuano of Sawarski Optic Quest, and Freddie Hartice of Hollywood Hunter. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everybody. Mike and Gino talking sports and going to be joined now by Twin Spires and Brisnet.com's handicapper analyst, Scott Shapiro. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, Scotty. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to be back. Yes, sir. And before we get to any horse racing, let's go right into college football. What do you think? Yeah, biggest uh, game, I guess, in school history. Kind of hard to compare, you know, back to the days when I was at school when we made the Rose Bowl for the first time in, like, 50 years. That felt like the biggest. But, but now having this kind of opportunity to, to get involved in, in a national championship picture and just the, the sh- way that, that they've shaped college football to get into a playoff would be, to me, the biggest win in school history. And just looking forward to Saturday. And for those who don't know, who he's referring to is the Wisconsin Badgers. Scott is a diehard fan. He's objective, though, so he'll give us some objective analysis here. And uh, I was kind of giving him a little bit of a hard time earlier during the week telling him that I was rooting for chaos, and uh, we will see if that comes to fruition or not. But big week must be the biggest weekend of the year in college football. So let's get right to it. What do you think of this Wisconsin-Ohio State matchup? Well, Mike, I think it's one of the harder games to analyze on the board this week because, you know, everyone makes the assumption that Wisconsin isn't as good as their record because we, because of the obvious week schedule. Uh, we haven't played, you know, we got to avoid playing Michigan State and Penn State, haven't played Ohio State yet. So right there it makes it pretty difficult. But, but the, on the other hand, to play optimist. You know, we've handled all of our opponents. I know Monique mentioned earlier that we haven't been consistent through 60 minutes, but I don't know too many college teams that, that are on a consistently, you know, outside of maybe the top couple uh, every week. And we do have a great defense and a strong running game. And um, I just think that it should be a close game if we can avoid turnovers and maybe win the turnover battle. If, if we turn the ball over like we have in some of these games against lesser competition, I'm sure Ohio State's going to make us pay. And I'm going to remind everybody, when when Wisconsin and Ohio State matched up last year, that final score was uh, Ohio State 30-23, to 23, I believe. But at halftime, Wisconsin was actually up 16-6, to 6, and 
you know, seemed to kind of control the game and Ohio State was able to kind of chip away, but it was a lot more evenly matched than people thought. I think Ohio State was maybe a 10-point favorite for that game. So I would think that if anybody's overlooking Wisconsin because of their schedule, they're probably going to be dead wrong. I would suspect that this is going to be a pretty close matchup. Yeah, and I mean, I think people, you know, last year we had one of the couple hardest uh, schedules in the country. I don't remember anybody feeling bad for us. So Right, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I knew we knew going into last year it was going to be tough. I have a hard time differentiating between which team I think is better. I think this defense is probably better. Um, but we did have T.J. Watt on that team, and we did lose Jack Sitchie and, to injury, unfortunately. Um, but Ohio State has owned us. That's the thing. They won five straight against us. And last year we looked to really have that game under control, and then J.T. Barrett and the, and the Buckeyes kind of took us to school in the second half. I, I'm optimistic because I'm a fan, but this is not a game that I want to really get involved in uh, from a wagering perspective. I don't know if you guys have a stronger opinion. Yeah. No, I think for me, this weekend is all about being a fan and watching. That's for me personally. What do you think, G? Yeah, I'm, I would lean towards, I think it's going to be a close game. So I, I, you know, I would definitely play Wisconsin and that is because I think the key is, as Scott had kind of mentioned, we don't know how good Wisconsin is. We really don't. You know, that's, that's the problem is that they, they didn't really get, you know, they didn't look bad against the weaker teams. They handled their business. They did what they were supposed to do all year long. They took care of, you know, the weaker teams. They they overmatched the competition that looked overmatched on paper. So, you know, this is a team that can run the ball well. They play defense. You know, they can they can move the sticks, too. Jonathan Taylor is excellent. Yeah, I, I would – I think it's going to be close. So, you know, th- this is – this is going to be fun because we do have four games that really matter. This Wisconsin-Ohio State game and then uh, Clemson-Miami in the ACC title, the SEC title, Auburn-Georgia, and the Big 12 title, Oklahoma-TCU. Any opinion uh, doesn't even have to be with the spread, just kind of for or against in any of those games, Scott? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the Georgia-Auburn game is interesting. I mean, Auburn has looked like a world, <clears throat> world beaters of late, especially two games at home, one against Georgia and, of course, most recently against Alabama. But to me, playing, you know, in a neutral field, granted it's in the Georgia or the actually it's the Mercedes-Benz uh, Stadium, the new place, um, but it's in Atlanta, but Auburn, if you don't know the geography too well down there, Auburn is certainly within uh, driving distance, so it, it shouldn't be an overly, uh, you know, home court advantage or home field advantage for Georgia. But to me, it's, it's not only hard, like you guys suggested earlier, to win, to beat a good team twice, but to play on the road is going to be different. They've had so much momentum and, and energy in, in, in their games in the last two big games. I think Georgia's a damn good team, and, and I side with Georgia being able to, to figure out a way to win this one and, and knock Auburn off the, uh, out, of the, out of the playoff. So I think the big question is going to be this. For the most part, does the winner of each of the conference championships get in? In other words, if Miami beats Clemson, are they in? I I don't know how they I don't know how they wouldn't be. I mean, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, they'd how, have to be. It's just to me, you're using the eye test way too much. If my a one loss Miami team beats Clemson, you had them number two before there was that loss to Pitt. I don't know how they don't they don't replace Clemson in there. I know Clemson has all the top forty wins, and uh, but to me they lost to Syracuse. I know everybody likes to use the excuse that uh, they lost uh, their quarterback. 
in that game, but they were getting beaten. They were getting beaten down, you know, by Syracuse, who's an awful team in the carry them before he, uh, he went down. So to me, if Clemson had zero losses, I could see the case to keep them in. I think the winner of that game gets in, and I think the same is obviously true of the SEC and, and quite possibly the Big Ten. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the Big 12 is the only one where if TCU won, they'd probably, even though it's, it's their, you know, their resume would still be very similar to that of Oklahoma's with a win over Oklahoma, but I still think they would probably have a lot to do because TCU right now, they're still behind USC. They're at, they're at 11. Um, so they would have a lot to jump, um, especially if Ohio State won. Then TCU would be in big trouble because they're going to have to worry about Ohio State possibly moving up if they beat Wisconsin. And then you're going to have to worry about an Alabama team that's just kind of floating around and just sitting there waiting for you know the chaos and what happens this week. And that's really what it's going to come down to. Some of these teams, you know, who doesn't look good winning, they might get screwed. You know, and Alabama might be in. Right. Well, and I, th- I think. Oh, so, go ahead, Scott. Go ahead, uh, I was going to say, I think the most fascinating scenario is going to be if Ohio State beats Wisconsin and TCU beats Oklahoma. How do you have Ohio State leapfrog Oklahoma when Oklahoma beat them head to head? On their own field and handily. Yeah, Crush I them. agree with that. I agree. That's going to that. be the toughest. That's going to be the big dilemma that they're going to have to deal with. Let's hope and- we don't see it. Yeah, yeah. Let's just get a Scotty win, a Scotty win for Scotty, and it'll uh, it'll re- keep the order nice and restored. Uh, I want to make Scott, it easy on everybody, Gino. That's my goal this weekend. That's all. That's all. You're just a nice guy. That's all you're doing is trying to keep everybody happy and all smiles all the time. <laughs> we only have about uh, three, four minutes though, so let's uh, let's try to get through this DraftKings lineup real quick. Scott and I are going to play an NFL lineup for this weekend, for this Sunday, DraftKings. It's a classic lineup. It's the Sunday slate, the 15-game slate. And uh, I'll kind of go through my my squad real quick. Uh, I have Phillip Rivers, and I'm going to have Keenan Allen as one of my wide receivers. It's just, you know, I don't really have to explain too much about how awesome Keenan Allen's been lately. Uh, this game matters. They're playing Cleveland. They're at home. So I have Rivers as my QB, Keenan Allen as one of my wide receivers I think it's a big Jordan Howard week. We actually heard Monique talk about that earlier. So I like that her and I are in the same spot. I think he's going to be running all day long against the Niners. I'm going to actually use two New England running backs. I'm going to have Deion Lewis and Burkhead in my flex, mainly because they're both involved in the running game and the passing game. Burkhead had a bad game two weeks back when he fumbled, but he came right back with a couple touchdowns and an excellent game last week. So I have Deion Lewis and Burkhead as two of my spots. My other two wide receivers, Robbie Anderson at home against KC. He has quietly become a top receiver in the league. If he wasn't on the Jets, he would be. Um, his price would be huge, and he would be a guy that everyone was talking about. Zay Jones, I think the game script will be Buffalo needing to score, so I can see Zay Jones. He's getting a lot of targets lately. I think he will get some garbage time scores, and then we're going to go art, 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 art with Seals Jones for the uh, for Arizona. <laughs> The, uh, the Gabbert-Seals-Jones connection has been excellent. You know, you get some new quarterbacks in a lot of times, and they just they have a connection with a certain wide receiver. So that's Seals-Jones. I mentioned Burkhead in the flex, and my defense will be the Tennessee Titans D. Well, we did not speak before this, but we have a lot of similarities in our I lineup, like which it. is either good or bad. But I also think Phillip Rivers is, a, is the best cash quarterback this week, $7,000, playing the Browns. He's been on fire um, very hard to imagine him not coming through with at least a two-touchdown game, and he's just really starting to play his best ball. 
Um, at running back, I also like Jordan Howard. Should get back. He, when he's had the right matchups, he's been able to run it well. You can toss his game against the Eagles. That front four is, is dominating against the run, and they couldn't. Hey, Scott, we're, we're getting a 30, Scott, we're getting a 30-second warning, so if you could just zip down them, if you, sure, if you may. Sure. I apologize. Jordan Howard, I have Jarek McKinnon as my other running back. My receivers are Mike Evans, Devontae Adams, and Zay Jones, just like Geno. My tight end is Hunter Henry with Rivers. My flex is also Rex Burkhead. And my defense will be the Bears tagged up with a correlation play with Jordan Howard. Awesome, Scotty. We'll, we'll uh, have you on again in a few weeks to talk more. But give everybody your plugs again, where we can find your races, where we can find you on Twitter. Yeah, my Twitter feed is at uh, ScottShap34. You can find my horse racing uh, work. I do the daily selections uh, at brisnet.com for the Southern California circuit. And then you can find three to four articles a week on the twinspires.com blog. Um, and other than that, you know, just you can find me around. But like Dan, I'm, I'm very happy to talk to anybody that, uh, that reaches out to me on social media. Good awesome. stuff. Good luck, Scotty. Good luck, Thanks, Scotty. Scott. Thank you for joining us this week. And we will see you guys same time, same place next Thursday. Have a good one. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.